Okay, let's everyone pray after me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and a will to obey your word today in Yeshua's name. Today we're beginning a new series entitled, Is God Seeking You? And uh, the title of this message, part one, would be True Worshipper. The verses we begin with, this series is from Yochanan chapter uh, 14, verses 23 through 24, which say, Yet a time is coming and has now come, this is Yeshua speaking to his Talmudim, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Selah. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. So right before we took uh, that week 10 days off, Rabbi Michael and I uh, were discussing uh, where we felt God was leading us in our messages, and we really felt that this was a series God wanted us to start when we got back from our time off. So Thursday, we were sitting up in the office, and we were talking a little bit more about where we felt God was going to take us in this series here and discussing it. And Thursday night when we got home, and and our kids were up in the office, it was up in Rabbi Michael's office, Uh, Thursday night when we got home, we turned on the TV and there was to the Believing Channel, and there was uh, a spiritual leader speaking to his congregation. It had to be from just this past Sunday. And he said, this is a series I'm starting for the summer. And he began to say things that we had just said in our office uh, that afternoon. And Abigail, who was up in the office, looked at Dad and I like, wow, can you believe it? He's saying the same things you were saying this afternoon about this verse and the series and where you're going. And why do I share that? I share that to say I really believe this is a word in season for us as a congregation, but also for the body of Messiah, that if God is leading other spiritual leaders to speak that same message, and this pastor is in Texas, then it's a word that God wants us to hear. So whether you're here in Beth Emanuel or you are... or whether you are... Uh, listening by the internet or on the podcast, that God wants you to hear this word. And he, it's a season for you to respond to this word. And so the scripture verse reference is John chapter 4, as my husband just came to tell me, not chapter 14. So it was a typing error. So John chapter 4 is where those verses are found. So again, God, this is a word. For you today. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a word for you. Okay? And to those listening to podcasts, I'm telling you, this is a word for you. So as we go through this series, our hope, Rabbi Michael and mine, is that you will come to understand the importance of worship in your life as a believer and how powerful it is to bring breakthrough and release into your life and to bring that manifest presence of Adonai into our homes, into our congregation, that will affect change in the atmosphere. 
And the question that we each need to ask ourselves today and answer is, are we the type of worshiper that God is seeking? So I just want to break these verses down today as a means of introducing uh, this uh, topic to us, understanding what Yeshua is saying in these verses. So I only have two points, main points, (laughs) which could be good or not so good, depending on how long-winded I am, right? But the first point is God is seeking. The Greek word here is zeteo. And what does it mean that God is seeking worshipers? Well, I begin to look at the usage of this Greek word and other passages in the New Testament because it gave me, and I hope it will give you also, a better understanding of what it means when it says God is seeking. So the first place that that I noticed it was from Luke 19.10. And this told me that God's seeking is intentional and with a purpose. In that passage, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek, again, the same verb, seteo, and save what was lost. We know that Yeshua had a mission. We know that his coming to this earth was not haphazard or on a whim. There was a purpose for his coming to earth. It was preordained, it says, before the foundation of the world in Revelation. That's really very important. So before God even created, so God, because God knows everything, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. In other words, it was, it was, the mission was there, the purpose for his coming to this earth. So it made me realize that in the same way, we can understand that the seeking of God for true worshipers is something that is intentional and something that has a purpose behind it. Now, most of us immediately would think that purpose is to glorify God, which is what worship is. But as Rabbi Michael mentioned in during our time of worship with music today, God doesn't really need us to worship because worship is already taking place 24-7 in heaven as the elders fall down before him, crying out, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Tzivaot. So what is the purpose of worship? It is to bring benefit to us. Again, as Rabbi Michael shared in the the worship earlier, Adonai wants to see release in our lives, and he knows worship is one of the keys to that. So he seeks for true worshipers so that he can break through in our lives and bring greater liberty and freedom and release into us personally, into our family situations, into our jobs, into our community around us. So the purpose of worship is to do something in your life and in my life. And we'll be talking about more of those things in this series uh, in, in the weeks ahead. Messianic Jews, Hebrews 11, 6, which is talking about faith. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because whoever approaches him must believe or trust that he does exist. But the last part here, and that he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Seeking him is part of what worship is. And so... God is a rewarder of those who seek him. So the purpose of worship is so that God can invade your space in a positive way. Now, sometimes that invasion might bring a little challenge and correction to us because I don't know about you, but 
you know, from Missouri, you know, stubborn as mules. There's that little stubbornness that is there. So sometimes God has to challenge me in the midst of my worship. And that's okay. I, I, I can need to be challenged and I want to receive that. But other times, again, he wants to bring breakthrough into my life. He wants to uh, release his promises into my life. So that worship is a way for him to reward us because we are seeking him and again, allow him to invade our space in our lives. The second place that I saw this word used in the New Covenant encouraged me that seeking involves a diligence on the part of God. In Luke chapter 15, verse 8, Yeshua is telling different parables, and he says another example of a woman. If she has ten drachmas or ten coins and she loses one of these valuable coins, won't she light a lamp? and sweep the house and search all over. Some English translations say search carefully. Once again, the Greek word there is teo, until she finds it. So this verse and all those parables connected together there uh, that Yeshua tells indicates that this woman is putting great effort into finding the coin that was lost. In other words, she was going to do whatever it took to find this coin. And God encouraged me that in the same way, he is seeking for true worshipers. He's going to great lengths to find us because he is a rewarder of those who want to seek him. He has blessings that he wants to pour out into the lives of people here on this earth. He has answers to prayer that he wants to impart into your life and into my life. And worship is one of the ways that releases him to do that. Well, can't God just supernaturally do that? Well, yes, he can. And sometimes he does. But just like there are laws that he has set to govern our natural world, and one of the the laws that we are all familiar with is the law of gravity. What goes up must come, right? So there are spiritual laws that he has put in place. And worship is one of those things that he has put in place to allow him to release into us and into our lives those blessings that he wants to do. So God wants to reward us. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to bless you. God wants to answer your prayers. And the other thing is behind this word, say, oh, is that God is taking the initiative. Okay? Because we think that we found God, but God is seeking us out, right? Yeshua came to seek and to save the lost. It was at his initiative. And... So in the Tanakh, we are told that God, it says that his eyes are going to and fro. In, in Debrei Hayamim Bet, Second Chronicles 16.9, searching for people who are wholehearted to him. Well, a wholehearted person towards Adonai is someone who's going to be a true worshiper. He's earnest and he's persistent because he wants to release his manifest presence in our life because he knows in his manifest presence is where things begin to happen. Amen? Amen. And the third verse that I want to just share with you today is from Luke thirteen six, And it told me that God's seeking involves expectation on his part. It said, Yeshua gave this illustration. A man had a fig tree 
planted in the vineyard, and he came looking, again, the Greek word seteo, for fruit, but he didn't found any, find any. So when God is looking down at us in the context of worship, he is expecting certain things from us. But often what he is looking for, he does not find. So we think that it, it is worship if we turn on the music, open our mouths, clap our hands, play our instruments, and dance with our feet. But I'm here to tell you today, and you're going to hear this probably quite a few times throughout the series, these external things are not what worship is. And it's not what God is looking for. It's not what he's expecting to find. So let's look at what a true worshiper is. What is God expecting to find in a true worshiper? The first thing I want to tell you is what true worship is not. It is not entertainment. One type of worship is with music and song, and that's what we do here on a Saturday morning. It's not the only type of worship. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I want to tell you, when you come on a Saturday morning, it's not for you to be entertained. Worship is participation. So if you come and, and you don't participate in worship, I'm just telling you again, none of have, you're not reached that level of true worship yet, which is where God is calling you to. Because he's seeking true worshipers so he can, again, impart good things into our lives. So true worship is not entertainment. It's not come and watch Rabbi Michael and the music team up here worship and Rabbi Carol and the dancers up here. Oh, isn't this great? True worship is participation on our part. True worship is not about you or me. And I'll talk a little bit more about this in a few seconds. Although we said earlier that it is to benefit us and we're ultimately the one who will be blessed by worship. True worship, it's not about me, and it's not about you. True worship is not a particular style of music, instruments, liturgy, etc. And worship can be without any of those things, in fact. And sometimes I find that people who are not from a Jewish or a Messianic Jewish background, and even sometimes people from a Jewish background, have a problem with the liturgical part of the service here at Beth Emanuel. But I want to tell you that liturgy can be powerful worship if it's done in spirit and in truth. In other words, this is a freebie. It's not time to check out because there's liturgy up on the the screen. Amen? Amen? And it's not time to check out because there's Hebrew up on the screen. I don't know Hebrew, Rabbi Carol. Again, we try to get the transliteration up there as much as possible. Follow along with the transliteration. And if you can't, you feel you can't read it, then make your joyful noise. Right? You know, we have been in places where it's not our native language. I remember when we took the youth uh, to Tijuana, Mexico, You know, we learned a few Spanish songs, but they didn't sing those songs every service we went to that week. So I didn't just stand there and like, okay, I I don't know. And they didn't have projectors to project the word or or papers. I just raised my hand and worshiped God. 
So it's not based on, again, this is my style of music. I like this. You know, I don't like that Jewish stuff. I don't, you know, I'd rather have, it, it doesn't matter. And that's not, that's not what true worship is about. True worship doesn't just take place inside this congregation. And as I said, it's not just done with music and instruments. Worship is something that should be done every day of our lives. And finally, true worship is not optional. Oof. I felt that. That's a, a, like a rhema word to you today. True worship is not optional. Friends, by the end of this study and these series, Rabbi Michael and I pray that each of you will be so inspired to be worshipers in your homes, on your jobs, in this sanctuary. And I want to tell you, if you're not worshiping God daily in your home, when we come to worship with music here, it's not going to happen. And also, I'm going to say this in love. If you come late, habitually, you're missing out on something. Because the worship sets the atmosphere for God to move. And I want to encourage you that you need to be here. It's not optional. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not optional. Why? Because God knows how much it will impact and change your life. Who would like to see some things change in their life? Okay, I have a few things I want to see change. Well, I'm going to tell you, worship is one of the tools that God used to bring change into our lives. So God is encouraging us through this series to become true worshipers. So let's look briefly at what true worship is. Again, in an introductory way, as we go through the uh, following messages in the weeks ahead, we will expound upon these things. But first of all, true worship is focused on Adonai. Remember I said, it's not about you and it's not about me. Sometimes my husband will go over the songs and he'll put a song, well, I don't really like that song, you know. But I have to catch myself. He's like, well, what's wrong with that? Eh, it's okay. In other words, I have songs that I prefer, uh, you know, as well. But it doesn't matter whether he sings the songs that I like. If I'm a true worshiper, I'm going to focus on Adonai. It's not about me and my preference. And sometimes my mind is so busy with thoughts that I can find it hard to focus on God as I seek to enter into my worship through music and song or throughout the day with my life. Again, throughout the week and here in the congregation. In fact, I struggled even today as I came, you know, down from, you know, teaching the membership class and, you know, things were told to me. And so I have on my mind different situations that some of you are facing. And, and again, I don't mind hearing those things, but it's on my mind, you know, this one and this need and that need. And, and at one point in worship, because I know what I'm going to be speaking on, I just really felt God say to me, you know what, you're not going to solve anything by 
thinking on those things right now. The best thing you can do for those people is for you to enter into worship and to lead by example and press into worship and we'll worry about those things afterwards, right? So I'm sharing this with you because you're not alone in terms of trying to focus on God. Again, I could be singing a song, raising my hands, but my focus can be on the situation I'm facing or responsibilities I have later in the day. And when that happens, and it does happen to me sometimes, I never press into that manifest presence that God wants me to experience. Again, not just here on Saturday, but even, you know, in my daily walk with God. I'm an early person. My husband is not. You know, but sometimes when, like when we're off and things, our schedule gets a little uh, crazy. And, and if I don't get up and have, you know, that quiet time with God in the morning, it throws me off. That's when I want to. And then if they're, they're my family, those waiting for me to do things and stuff, I can rush through things. And, okay, I'm going through, again, the motions, but I'm not really focusing on God. So... Th- the enemy will do everything he can to distract me and you from pressing in to the presence of God. Again, he doesn't mind if we go through the motions and not, never truly connect with God. He's quite content for us to sing a few songs, clap our hands, and check that off our list that we've accomplished worship for the days. Because he knows nothing significant will happen by us just going through the motions. And I don't mean for us to stop going through the motions, because I sometimes just go through the motions until I get to that presence. Okay? We're going to talk about discipline in a minute. So I wouldn't stop because you're just going through the motions, but ask God to help you go beyond those motions so that you have achieved and reached the heart of God. And it's going to happen as you focus on Adonai. And why does the enemy not want us to be true worshipers? Because he knows the power of true worship that is focused on who Adonai is. It brings his manifest presence, changes at the core of our being, releases his power to heal and to work miracles in our lives. Again, not just in this sanctuary, but in our daily lives and in our community. So what must I do to worship means I have to discipline my thoughts, my emotions, and my will. So each day I have a choice to worship God or not. My thoughts and my emotions and will should not be in control. They're part of my soul. And those who took cleansing stream years ago should remember this, that my soul always needs to align itself up to my spirit. But often our soul likes to be in charge. That's our will, our emotions, and our thoughts. But my spirit needs to be in submission to the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and then my soul needs to be aligned under it. And when that happens, I am able to more easily choose to discipline myself in every area, but including this area of worship. 
So worship has nothing to do with how I feel. It has nothing to do with whether I had a good week or a bad week. It has nothing to do with the circumstances of my life. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. You ever had anything bad happen to you? I have. The scriptures say the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked alike. So perhaps I'm having a tough week. Maybe I'm having a tough month. Or maybe it's even a tough year. What do I do in the midst of these circumstances? I have a choice. And as a true worshiper, what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to focus on Adonai. I'm going to choose to press into his presence, whether it's with music, whether it's throughout my day as I'm fulfilling my responsibilities. Again, God doesn't check out once you leave the singing and, and praying. God walks with you throughout the day. So my whole life is an act of worship unto him. So when we resist that God is seeking us, and I want to tell you, God is seeking you to become a true worshiper. Maybe you're not there yet, but this message in and of itself is God saying, I'm seeking you. I want you to be a true worshiper. But we have to respond to that. And when we resist that, and when we don't discipline ourselves, and and we don't choose to focus on God, but instead focused on our lives, on our feelings, on our emotions, on our situations, I want to tell you what we're doing. We're making our life, we're making ourselves to be an idol. So when I am consumed by my thoughts, by my circumstances, by what I'm going through, instead of focusing on God, I have now taken the place of God. I have become an idol. The reality is that all mankind, all creation, in fact, was created to worship God. So the reality, or was created to worship, preferably God, but we were all created to worship. So you are worshiping something or someone. Hopefully, you are worshiping God. Again, in spirit and in truth, which we're going to talk about now, not just going through the motions. If you are not a true worshiper, if you are not pressing into his presence to experience that manifest presence, there is something or someone that you are worshiping. Everybody is a worshiper. So true worship, it involves focusing on Adonai, it involves discipline. And it is also a life of obedience. We need to worship in truth. What is truth? The word of God. Yeshua says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's why God wants us to worship in truth. Because we will never be free if we're not worshiping in truth. And that truth is based on his word. So I need to know the word and I need to follow it. So often... People respond, you know, and even, you know, to a message like this. Well, yeah, I know that. I've heard many messages on worship, Rabbi Carol. 
But if you're not doing it, if I'm not doing it, so what? I need to be living out his word, his principles. I have to obey them every day of my life. Think about Romans 12, too. What does it say we should present as a living sacrifice? Remember, sacrifice is a part of worship. What does it say? Present our what? Our bodies, everything that we are, as living sacrifices unto God. And this is the acceptable worship, one translation says. In other words, that's worship. So that's why I'm telling you, worship is not just with the music here. That's a part of what true worship is. But worship is living a life of obedience. And when I'm living a life of obedience, it helps me to enter in with the music and song and dance. I've shared this uh, before in the past. One of the words, Hebrew words for worship is the word avodah. Say with me, avodah. For my budding Hebrew scholars here in the room, that comes from the word oved. What does oved mean? To work or to serve. So the noun form of that verb oved is a servant. So that connotation that is given to us in the Hebrew scriptures is someone who is serving, doing for God. That's what avodah is. Again, obedience to his word and who he is. That's why worship is not restricted to this building or to music and instruments. Although we're going to focus a lot on that, but worship is a lifestyle. Say that with me. Worship is a lifestyle. It's a life dedicated to Adonai and to his purpose. So everything I do throughout my week, everything I do throughout my day is to be an act of worship to God. In other words, my thoughts, my words, my actions need to honor him, to glorify him, so that when people look at me and they see the, the things that I am doing or they hear the words that are coming out of my mouth, they are giving glory to God. Right? Yeshua says it to his Talmudim, let the men see your good deeds so that they may what? Glorify God. So, that life of obedience, doing the word, is an act of worship to God. True worship happens, number five, under the second thing, <clears throat> under the second main point of true, what true worshipers is, is it happens through the Ruach HaKodesh. Friends, I cannot worship in the flesh. So when my husband and I have heated fellowship, and sometimes that happens right before service, I'm, not, I'm going nowhere because I'm in my flesh. So 99.9% of the time we take care of it before service. There's a few times that we don't, and it doesn't go good. But we are quick to come and to repent because I have to worship in spirit. And that means in my flesh, I can't enter into that manifest presence of God. 
over and over again, and we talked about this a little bit in the membership class because today's lesson was on the Ruach HaKodesh, we are called to walk in step with the Ruach. Why is this important? Because when we walk in step with the Ruach, he opens our eyes and he gives us a fresh revelation of who God is. Remember one of the purposes of the Ruach HaKodesh. Yeshua talks about the, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, a lot in the book of Yochanan. And he explains why it is important that we receive and walk in step with the Ruach. He has come to be our teacher, right? To be uh, the one who guides us, who counsels us. So he gives us that fresh revelation of who Adonai is. And when, when I receive that fresh revelation of God, I am able to worship him more fully. Sharon, again, in the class today, I believe it's in Acts chapter 19, when Rob Shaul comes to an area where there's believers, and he says, have you received the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we've never heard of the Ruach HaKodesh. Again, it's not your salvation, but the Holy Spirit has been given to empower us and to strengthen us. And again, gives us the revelation of God that helps us to focus more on him. So those people had a limited revelation of who God was because they didn't know who the Ruach HaKodesh was. So most of us here know him as our Redeemer, as our Savior. But he is so much more. There are so many facets of who God is. And I don't care how long you have been a believer. I've probably been a believer. I'm probably up there one of the longest. I've been a believer for since I was six years old, I'm going to turn 60 this year. All right, so that's 54 years. All right? Anyone else there in the 50s with me? All right? Knowing God? But even though I have known God for 54 years, there's still things about God I don't know. There are new things being revealed to me. Through my relationship with the Ruach HaKodesh. Each day the Ruach wants to open my eyes to see the wondrous and glorious nature of who God is. You see, with my natural mind and my natural reasoning, I can't comprehend and I can't perceive that. My natural mind is what I can see and feel, this is real to me. But there's so much more that is more real than this bima in the spiritual realm. And the Ruach HaKodesh wants to reveal that to me. And when he does, it allows me to worship God more fully. With my natural mind, I cannot comprehend the spiritual realm. But the Ruach opens my spirit and gives me that fresh revelation of things I could never understand on my own. So yes, he is my redeemer. He's also my provider. He's my healer. He is God almighty. He is the God of the impossible. He is the great reconciler. He is the one who binds up my wounds. He is the one who calms the storms in my life. 
He is my hope. He is my anchor. He is the lover of my soul. He is my all in all. And yet he's so much more. But when I focus on those things, and, and God gives me even greater revelation through the Ruach of what those, just that little list there really is, my response is just to worship. And then when I worship, and again, we're going to talk about what happens when we worship in the next few weeks. There's a great release that happens in my life. And finally, true worship is where my spirit connects to God. That's why worship is not merely an outward expression. Because as I said several times, it is easy to go through the motions. I can do that, and I have. But to truly connect with God, it's not something I can fake. And that connection can only take place through the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, who's the Savior of the world. And by accepting him, I'm entering into this personal relationship with Adonai that then leads me to encounter the Ruach HaKodesh. And when I'm walking in step with the Ruach, when I'm living a life that is surrendered to Adonai, my spirit is going to connect to God. And when that connection takes place, You know what I'm talking about? And it doesn't take place all the time for me. I'm just telling you, I'm I'm pressing in so it becomes a more normal thing in my life. But when that connection takes place, there is nothing, nothing in this world that can compare to that. To be there in the manifest presence of God, where his glory descends, Nothing like it. That's why true worship is where my heart connects to the heart of God. That true connection is intimacy. And that's another thing that we're going to discuss more fully in this series later. But the result of that connection when I have that true connection and that manifest presence is being experienced by me, whether it's in my daily life, at my home, or here in the sanctuary, the result is that there's an increase in my faith. Why is there an increase with my faith? Because I'm connected to the God who I'm having faith in. And that connection increases my faith because I really, really get it. He is God Almighty. He is the creator of the universe. And nothing that I am facing is too difficult for him. But when I'm not truly connected, you know, some of the things I'm facing can seem a little overwhelming to me. And I can begin to say, okay, God, where are you at? And why are you taking so long? But connection, faith increases. God, you got this. God, you're going to take care of all these things. So that connection brings an increase of faith. And that increase of faith 
along with that comes a change in the atmosphere around me. And I shared this in the message right before we took the, the little time off. And that message, there must be more. And if you haven't listened to that message, I encourage you to do that. God has done something in my heart and Michael's heart this year. And, and I can tell you, it has drawn us to connect more to God. And we have seen a change in the atmosphere of our lives. And when my life is changed and the atmosphere around me is changed, then it's going to change other people around me. And my family is going to be changed. And then my congregation and then my community, my work, my neighbors. That's why we want to connect to God. So I want to close by challenging each of us with this question for the series. So turn to your neighbor and ask, is God seeking you? Robert Michael and my prayer is that today's message in this series will begin to change each of our attitudes and our experience with worship. And that each of us will become those true worshipers. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a true worshiper. True worshipers that Adonai is looking for. Let's stand to our feet. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for uh, this season that you have not just us in, Lord, but other congregations here in this country and around the world who you are directing us, God, because I believe you want to move in this day and this hour in a powerful way in, in, in the world, God. You want to manifest your healings, your miracles and signs and wonders, Lord, but worship is part of seeing that happen. And God, you have encouraged us today and will be continuing to encourage us through this series. So I pray, as we did at the beginning, that we would all have ears to hear and a heart to walk these out. God, I pray in this week ahead that each one of us would be more diligent, God, would discipline ourselves where we need to. God, to press in to that manifest presence. God, that a real connection, Lord, in our daily lives would begin to take place and we would each see a change, Lord, in ourselves and others around us as that happens. And I thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'm going to close with the ironic benediction. And we have prayer in half an hour, so around 1.30, we're going to start prayer. So I want to encourage you to stay for prayer. And, uh, and I encourage this before I last. So I just want to say free beyond this about prayer. No, it's not my message today. It was my message before. All right, Carol, I don't have time to go eat or anything or have kids and stuff. Well, I'll tell you what my family does is we bring our lunch and we go up and scarf it down and get back down here for prayer. So there's a refrigerator downstairs. You can put your lunch in. And I'm just giving you practical ways to, to make your prayer 
here on Saturdays possible. So you're welcome to, to, to use the refrigerator downstairs to store your food so that you can be here for prayer. Bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face upon you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai. May you become the true worshiper that you were destined to be. In Yeshua's name, amen. Blessings to you.